Hello, welcome to this episode of Creepypasta, the Creepypasta podcast. I'm the host, Jeff Kowalski. This is a show where we talk about creepypastas. Now, bear with me here for a second. Creepypastas are creepy stories on the internet. They're called that dumb weird name for a complicated reason. I'll explain it right now. So, you would copy and paste urban legends into emails or onto bulletin boards, uh, internet bulletin boards, probably not real-life ones, like, at the farmer's market. I don't think, uh, anyone was posting, uh, photocop- Xerox this and post it on another bulletin board, or you're gonna get haunted by a ghost. I don't think people did that. Anyway, but it would be stories like, hey, this thing happened to me, and people would just copy-paste them to try and fool people. Eventually, the slang term for that became copypasta, and the subgenre that is spooky stories that happen to people became creepypasta. Uh, and there's the etymology. Um, I should probably just record that in, like, I'm very good at making things much shorter than that, uh, so I should figure out how to say that in 10 seconds and just record it and play it at the beginning of every episode. <laughs> Uh, uh, I always have guests with me, and in this case, I have with me returning guest, Cassie Kingsbury. Hello! And brand new to the show, Shaylee Shaw. Hello! There's a lot of shh in there, because I said show right before your name. <laughs> uh, and we're talking about uh, one of the more popular creepypastas that I've been dreading getting to, because it is... Novella length, pen pal. <laughs> pen pal. Uh, it's it's been adapted into a novel and is optioned for a movie. It's very long. It's a uh, story in six parts. Um, so I guess to uh, get us started here, mm, you know, what? I'm gonna leave space for an ad. Hey, Fred. Check it out. West Texas is in the national news. It says here in the Huffington Post, someone from our town said. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> awesome. Why do you do this to yourself? I don't know. Welcome to the Mexi Bro Movie Show, where we use our love of terrible movies Hell yeah. to justify our positive outlook of growing up in West Texas. Well, one of us, anyway. Nice. Each month on the Mexi Bro Movie Show, discover a terrible movie that you can share with you and yours. Movie reviews and pop culture discussions. Live music performances and interviews. Hey, don't forget about the hot mess game with Uncle Rob, puto. It'll be the best minute of your life. Check us out on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. And remember to live, love, and papas. And papas. I got your papas right here. Welcome back from the ad. Uh, <laughs> that was a great ad. I want to yep, we buy that thing thir- and or use that service. Uh, more like <laughs> listen to that podcast. I want to uh, listen to that podcast that we just heard an ad for. Yep, we were gone for 30 to 60 seconds, uh, <laughs> depending on which ad I put in there. Anyway, this, uh, this story starts out with a story called Footsteps that was posted to the Reddit No Sleep Forum. Uh, Cassie, why don't you start us off recounting what happens in Footsteps? Sure. Um, so, Footsteps, uh, this, this narrator is posting on No Sleep about how he had a strange experience in his childhood, and um, he talks about how when he was six years old, um, his mom and him moved into a new neighborhood, and uh, they lived in this house that had a big crawl space under it, and 
and it was very creepy. And he used to um, hear these footsteps that would like disturb him from sleep or keep him from sleeping. It really bothered him. And he thought there might be something wrong with his ears or something. Um, but, or, you know, obviously that there was a monster. That's the assumption that a six-year-old would make. Um, but, you know, the mom brushes it off, whatever. And then he starts having instances where he's sleepwalking. Um, he said he would like go to sleep on the top bunk and wake up on the bottom bunk, but he didn't think too much of it. He's like, ah, oh, maybe I just got up in the middle of the night to pee and then I came back and I fell asleep forever. Anyway, so that's all set up for the really scary thing that happens, which is one night he wakes up and he's in the middle of the woods and he has no idea how he got there. Um, And he is uh, actually uh, surrounded by thorn and it's really scary. Anyway, so (laughs) he eventually makes his way home and discovers that uh, his mom actually thought he had run away because he had apparently left a note saying that he had run away. He was really mad and he was just going to leave. You know, so obviously she's overjoyed that he returns safely and then there's a twist at the end where he is like, I never wrote that letter. And just so you know, uh, yeah. I uh, wrote notes on all these stories because it's so freaking long. I did not have that, like, memorized. <laughs> oh, my God. I was about yeah. to say, I'm so bad at summary. That was really good. <laughs> ah, thank uh, you. <laughs> so do we want to discuss each... We probably should have talked about this before we started the show. Do we want to discuss the merits of each individual part, or do we want to just blaze through all six all six parts in summary first? Uh, I don't know. I mean, are you all prepared right, for summaries? Because I am not. I can just talk <laughs> about the random stuff that I was thinking yeah, about. Yeah, let's, uh, let's discuss footsteps a little bit um uh what did we think of this this first part of the story good (laughs) yeah Yeah, i guess i was surprised that um it it was a standalone or like it could be read as a standalone i I just always assumed like it seemed like it was leading up to something so yeah yeah i um i liked this one uh like i i thought it was well written um but it sort of uh i don't know it's got a couple twists in it and they're like really obvious like, uh, when point. he gets, yeah, like when he gets home, is there someone there that he doesn't recognize? I'm like, it's a cop. <laughs> and then, like, two paragraphs later, he's like, it's a cop. And I'm like, yeah, I, I figured that out immediately. Okay, but he's a little kid. I actually thought, yeah. I mean, we can talk about how, how well the author does this in other segments, but in this one, I thought he captured the kid's mind very well, um, in terms of like how he reacted to things and his assumptions about things. So I think you're right, yeah. but I think part of that you could say was done in Potentially based on, you know, being in a little kid's mind. Yeah, that's true. And one of the things, uh, the successes overall, I think, is the uh, ability to kind of capture because uh, each of these stories, he's a different age, and I think he does a good job capturing that. Uh, there's one where I disagree, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> okay. Shaylee, what did you think of this? This little uh, well, well, I found, I mean, I, I felt similarly that, like, it captured the age really well, but later stories, I felt really confused as to how old he actually was and you know it was <laughs> to the point where I actually thought like is are they playing with our sense of time mm. so we could talk about that later but um yeah that's what I thought about the time aspect um I don't know what did you think about what the ending was setting up I I mean I read this as a kind of paranormal story from right from the beginning and I'm kind of wondering why I thought that did you guys feel uh, that yeah too? oh yeah yeah Cause, definitely because uh spoilers there's nothing paranormal in this story uh that's kind of uh interesting because I kind of it seems a little like it might go there, but like uh, once we got to the end of the first story, I was like, it's probably just a stalker. Hmm. Uh, I actually... 
I didn't get that from the first one. I actually thought the first one was very paranormal, especially with the creepy footsteps that I guess we can assume is like the creepy stalker. But, you know, it, it really didn't seem uh, natural to me. And especially when he um, he lands in the woods and he is surrounded by thorns and he literally thinks to himself, well, I don't have any cuts on my feet and I'm not even that dirty. So how did I get here? It almost seemed like he was kind of like magically transported there. Um, yeah. So I thought it was so cool how this is the first post set up by itself on the internet and it's like leading you to believe that this could be ghosts or whatever and then as it develops it's like oh no this is definitely not ghosts this is just a really bad person um so i think that's one of the things that's so cool about this whole story yeah that's a that's an interesting aspect of it is um the sort of the idea of sort of half remembered events from childhood uh having uh, more significance in context. Um, yeah. I, I, f- I found that really interesting because, like, he told this story and he was like, oh, I wasn't going to tell this, but I started learning some things about when I was a kid. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just like this first one, he's just like, uh, oh yeah, I remember this creepy thing from when I was a kid. And then, uh, the next one, which we'll get to in a second, he was like, yeah, I was talking to my mom about the, uh, about the story I wrote and I learned a bunch of uh weird facts and it sort of <laughs> unfolds from from his uh research into his own childhood i thought that was nice yeah and it kind of makes me think of the fact that like when you are a kid i mean everything seems really strange or like a lot of a lot more things than when you're an adult and so it kind of plays with your sense of you know it, i was remembering this thing I, I don't know if i'm remembering it right but it seems stranger than it was but maybe it was the strange i don't know so it seems like a cool way to um i don't know think about childhood experiences and yeah cuz yeah. uh remembering like it's it's sort of like the phenomenon if you ever go back and visit your elementary school you're like i don't remember it being this small yeah. Because uh, you were smaller, so mm-hmm. it seemed much bigger. Um, and, and yeah, that, it's sort of like, I don't remember, uh, well, uh, speaking as the character in the story, he's he doesn't remember, like, just why this weird thing happened when he was six. Uh, he just remembers that it was kind of creepy. Uh, and I don't know. I, I, I think that was, I don't know where I'm going with this. I, I, I found it a little, I, I, uh, let me know if this is anything. I found it, this whole thing a little hard to relate to because I don't really remember my childhood very well. Um, I feel like I kind of agree with you, but I think that if you put in a concerted effort and also had like a parent providing bits and pieces to you that would call up those memories, it would be easier. Um, you know, like right off the bat, if I was trying to think about my childhood, the, you know, I, I couldn't necessarily lay it out like this. But at the same time, I'll also point out that the story does not unfold chronologically. Um, yeah, that's I, true. I think it's, it's very, around. like, realistic because he's just, like, remembering, like, little bits and pieces as, and then, you know, they come together as a single story. But he's not like, well, first this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. It's, like, much more complicated than that. <laughs> yeah, trying to figure out how to tackle this was uh, weird because each of the six parts could stand alone, I think, because uh, they're all just creepy in their own right. Um but then together they have a greater context. I guess as someone who's new to like this genre, like I didn't even know about creepypasta until we started this podcast. Um, <laughs> you I, lucky person, you. <laughs> I guess I wasn't like, what's the typical story? Like, do they have these kind of inconclusive non endings that are just kind of creepy to be like, or is there a kind of closure to them usually? Uh, like, I, I, I think, like, 
most horror. Uh, it's best when the questions aren't answered. Um, for this uh, specific subgenre, I feel like it mostly trades in verisimilitude, so you can't really end a story with, uh, and a ghost did it. You kind of have to end with, well, well, maybe a ghost did it. Right, but that's always, I mean, at least in these stories, and I think commonly in creepypasta, there's always at least one creepy twist at the end where you're like, haha, this is what was happening all along. And I think that's like very common in, in other creepypastas too. Um, yeah, for, for sure. The, uh, the sort of, the sort of quintessential, uh, creepypasta that, uh, all others, uh, sort of owe favor to is Candle Cove, um, which the author, Chris Pascas, Chris Straub, uh, <laughs> referred to as a twist delivery mechanism. It's a very short story, and his whole idea was to build up to the twist. And the twist at the end of that story. Wait, don't is say it. What that... if Shaylee hasn't read it? <laughs> it's so good. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, that's true. You should read. Uh, Shaylee, have you read Candle Cove? No, I haven't. Okay, then I'm not going to reveal the twist. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> But it leads up to a twist, and that's the whole point of the story, and I feel like uh, this one, Pen Pal, uh, each individual part sort of leads up to the final twist, but overall, the the end, the, like, the meta twist, like, for all six parts is not as satisfying as each of the individual little twist endings. Ooh. Hmm. I agree with that. Cool. So, if we're ready to move on to part two, uh, Shaylee, you said you don't want to summarize? Well, I can't probably Probably do this one, but probably not a long summary. Okay, so do it. Um, do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so sure. this one takes place uh, when he was five years old, and he talks about going to uh, an elementary school where they did a lot of like experiential learning. So they had different themes, and the, that they were grouped into, and one of them was community. And so uh, he was in the community group, and uh, they had to do this activity, which I he says you've probably heard of this activity activity and I never have. It sounds really interesting. But um, so they have inflated balloons and uh, each student ties like uh, an envelope, uh, uh, something, I don't know, written in on a piece of paper or a picture or whatever um, with their mailing address. And then, you know, eventually the balloon falls or someone finds it and they try to get like um, a pen pal out of it, basically. So uh, the other students start receiving letters that they I don't know, might respond to, might not um, but he keeps getting pictures um, and uh, I'm forgetting the specifics right now. Cassie, do you want to just jump in? Um, sure. Uh, the pictures, uh, this is kind of part of part of the twist in this story. The pictures are all uh, like weird wide angle or far away shots of like random crap and he's like, why am I getting all these weird pictures? And then at one point he's looking at them all together and he... Uh, uh, notices that each picture actually has him in the background. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> yeah, so that's super creepy. And I this part actually feels very cinematic to me. I could see this happening in the movie that I guess they're going to make 
where he's like looking through them and suddenly notices that he's in every single one. But he's really little. He's five. So he's just kind of like perplexed by this. And he's like, I guess I'll tell my mom about this tomorrow. Um, and he doesn't understand the significance. And of course, she does immediately. So that's it. Anyway, go on. Go on. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting... Um, it's an interesting little story because it's kind of a peek into that uh, early 90s naivete. Uh, it almost seems older because, like, they put the kid's mailing address and a Polaroid of them in... <laughs> no, no, no. It was, in, the, and, it was the school's mailing address. They didn't give the... Oh, okay. Address. It's still, like, uh, here's a picture of a child and where they go to school. Uh, any, <laughs> any, anyone? Anyone can have it. And, uh, of course, the whole story story hinges upon someone bad finding uh, such a photo, but um, it's it's just so bizarre, because he, uh, I would think maybe 70s or 80s, but he specifically mentions liking Mighty Max as a kid, and... He also has a cell phone is, at age 15. Yeah, so he's definitely like, our age-ish, like, he's, uh, he was definitely born in, like, the late 80s, maybe early 90s um because so it seems especially weird like that this school project would still exist because kids have been getting like i feel like we got stricter about kids being stolen uh by by this time (laughs) because like i don't know about you guys but uh i couldn't get picked up from school by a stranger unless they had been previously approved by my parent and or guardian yeah this school they'll just give you to any Anybody with like a balloon and a letter, they're like, "Oh yeah, sure, here's the kid." <laughs> yeah, it's it's so weird that they're basically like, like I know uh, famous people who won't even put names of their children on the internet. Yeah, uh, and like this whole story is like, here into the sky go this photograph and name of a child and where to find them every day. <laughs> Uh, and I don't know, I feel like I'm harping on it a little, but also it's so, it's such a, a leap to, to, that you have to take for the whole story to work. I mean, I think you're right in pointing out that this is something that definitely could have been done, like, in the past when there was less, uh, kind of sensitivity to potential bad people taking your kids, um, you know, back in the day. Uh, so I think, yeah. you know, by not pinpointing an exact year, um, the author has given themselves a feeling with us believing that this actually happened. Um, yeah, I found myself paying attention to, like, um, the descriptions of, like, kind of anything that is, like, a machine or something, like, some sort of invention, like, like the, to the, the noise of the click or what the whatever. I, like, I always, I, when I was reading the story, I felt like, are they, is he doing something with, like, technology? Is that where the source of the paranormal activity is coming in? Because mm-hmm. I just assumed when I was reading the story. Yeah. But maybe that's just, like, a... <clears throat> a way to kind of distract you from what what is actually going on? I don't know. Oh, Did you I guys pay attention so. to that? I definitely uh, think I so. I'm, I'm actually only just now paying attention to any of the time stuff. Like, I just googled Mighty Max and it was on from 93 to 95. So oh. that puts this, this kid's birth date from 88 to 90. 
Uh, so it's like, uh, I feel like if he had put Ninja Turtles, that would have given him like a 15 year window. Cause Ninja Turtles got hella rerun, but he used a very specific, very obscure cartoon that didn't really have a long life after its initial run. Okay, so for those of us who were too lazy to look that up though, there's a sense of timelessness, I feel, about <laughs> the beginning. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Otherwise, like, there's, yeah, there's the detail of having a cell phone as a teenager, which, uh, like, he could, as early as the late 90s, have that, uh, and it would be fine. <sighs> Excuse me. Um, uh, I just want to point and- something else out about this segment. Sorry, I'm just going to rudely cut you off. Um, no, that's our, fine. Our, I burped, as- so... <laughs> oh, then I'm glad I interrupted you. To establish our chronology here, this is actually the first thing that happens in this story, because this is how the stalker finds him. Yeah, yeah, this takes place a year before Footsteps. Right. Um, so, like, we can assume then that the stalker guy got the balloon, and another creepy detail in balloons, actually, is uh, the narrator and his friend Josh have a little, like, snow cone stand where they're selling snow cones, and there was, like, a dollar that they put into the initial balloons that were sent out that had four stamps written on it, like, they wanted people to okay, mail them yeah, stuff. Yeah. And then, um, when they're at the snow cone stand and they're counting their money at the end, they realize they have gotten the dollar that says four stamps on it back, and they think, like, oh, wow, isn't it funny how money, like, circulates around so much, and it came back to us, but it's like, no, that guy came and gave it to you! Ah! So, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like the the sense of foreboding that's built up there. It, mm-hmm. it, this is a really good uh, second chapter in the story because it it sort of uh, reveals the origin, but also builds uh, upon it. Um, anyway, let's move on to part three boxes, uh, and I'll summarize this one. Uh, this one, he's saying um, he he's saying like, "Hey, I came back. Uh, I know you guys have been following along with this." And, um, I said that, like, no other weird things happened to me, but ever since I started, uh, looking into this and talking, like, with my family, apparently it's, um, been, uh, it's, it's, like, there's a bunch of other stuff that's related to this. Anyway, uh, and he goes on to tell the story about... Uh, right before he started elementary school, he learned how to climb trees, um, and then, uh, eventually he fell out of a tree and broke his arm, and when he, uh, he started kindergarten with a cast, and he met his friend Josh, because he was the only one who signed the cast, um, and then he tells the story of getting a cat? What is it? Yeah, it's a cat named Boxes, <laughs> uh, which is a great name for a cat. I always, I always love uh, giving an animal a plural name uh, <laughs> and uh, just like the name of an object. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, well, I guess like an internet acquaintance, uh, got a dog around the same time of like one of the Doctor Who Christmas specials where the Doctor was friends with uh, the decapitated head of a Cyberman and he named it Handles. Uh, so <laughs> my internet acquaintance named his pup Handles, which I think is a good name for a dog. Uh, anyway, I was summarizing this story. So, uh, as soon as, yeah, as soon as they introduce an animal, you're like, well, that cat's gonna die, because that's this kind okay, of story. Okay, yeah, I just want to state that I find it 100% unacceptable that the cat died, but go on. Yeah, I I also really don't like it when animals die in horror stories, because, like... I just find uh, this villain completely, completely confusing. Uh, maybe we can talk about that later, but I just feel like 
like the yeah. range of things that is happening, the bad things that are happening here are very strange yeah, this, put together. This person ends up having like a huge scope to their psychosis and <laughs> doing like such a strange number of like superhumanly difficult things. Uh, but anyway, Boxes goes missing and uh, how old is he in this story? He is uh, 10 when they go on the actual mission to get the cat. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's right, because he moves uh, after, what is it, after the, um, which incident does he move after? Um, I got the sense that they were just moving because of, like, the prior creepy shit, and then it's while they're mm. actually about to leave that the mom, like, looks under the house for boxes and sees the thing that he's Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, uh, the mom, uh, goes on looking in the crawl space for boxes, uh, sees something that we don't find out about until the the final part of the story, uh, which I thought was a really interesting tease. Uh, I I kind of like I liked that because I had kind of forgotten about it uh, until the very end when they're going into the uh, space. Mm-hmm. Is that the case? Uh, they revealed it uh, the last one, or did they reveal it in this one? No, it's this one. Oh, oh I made that mistake. Uh, eh, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> at the end of this, uh, at the end of this part, they reveal. Um, yeah, one of the difficulties I'm having is I listened to this story because it was uh it was a it was two episodes of the no sleep podcast oh, um, were cool. devoted to just reading this whole thing um they went back to his old house looking for boxes and they found under the crawl space there was a bunch of like blankets and cat food um and does he find the dead animals at this point uh yes uh, yeah there's like what dead raccoons and stuff under there yeah Ooh, yeah. yeah yeah it's really gross um, he goes under there and finds that and kind of learns the significance of it later. Um, yeah, that's why I thought it was not revealed to the final part, because it's in the final part when the mom is like, I didn't put that stuff under there. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, he had, a uh, him and his friend Josh had walkie-talkies to keep in touch after he moved, um, and they drop one of the walkie-talkies when they're scared out from the old house, uh, and then, uh, are un named main character hears uh, boxes meowing under the bed and he goes and looks and it's the walkie talkie and the boxes meowing is coming through the walkie talkie ba 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 oh my god I hate that so much I was so angry <laughs> yeah I'm glad that they didn't like find boxes corpse at least that would have been pretty bad I think this was we, actually far- <laughs> way more effective than that so I like I mean I hate it but obviously I like yeah. it from a you know, from a storytelling standpoint, it was a good one. Yeah, the the creep factor was really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the final line boxes never came home. Uh, I thought was very. Was oh yeah, very this uh, this author is so good with. Um, I don't know if it's if you call this in writing, Shaylee, you can help me out with like buttons, like putting a button on the end of the scene. Like he's so good at those like one lines that are just like, let me just put a button at the end there. It's like he's he's really solid on that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm a real sucker for up. those for those one line paragraphs mm-hmm. that you kind of f- can feel the like dramatic music behind them. Uh, I like writing them. I like reading them. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so, uh, do we have anything special to say about this part of the story? I guess that one felt like the most kind of realistic of them, like the less supernatural. So that was sort of interesting um, to put yeah. the, the other parts together with that. He felt a little old in this one. Mm-hmm. It seemed like he was, they were teenagers, but they're 10. I, thought it, <laughs> yeah. I actually thought they were good because like 10 year olds um, definitely swear because they think it makes them tough and like they called each other like man. They're like, hey man, come on. And like, oh, <laughs> I loved uh, when Josh was on the walkie talkie. He's like, this is Macho Man over and out. And I just thought that was funny because like <laughs> when I was a kid, I loved that Macho Man song. You know the one I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. By uh, the village people? I guess it's like Macho, Macho Man. Yeah, I guess that must yeah. be the village people now when I'm singing it. But like, yep. yeah, anyway. So just like a little detail like that. I was like, oh man, when I was 10, I would have thought that was hilarious. So. <laughs> I thought he did it. Yeah, good but job. he was probably he was probably doing that as his call sign because of the wrestler Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, you're so right. Oh well, well I related it. I related to it in a different way then, I guess. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, that that the that was the first place you went because I immediately was like, oh yeah, ten year old boys. That's the target audience for wrestling. <laughs> Um, I actually thought this was the uh, scariest story of all of them. Um, Really? I did. I mean, because, like, Josh is, like, literally attacked by the guy in the house. Um, And actually, when he leaves, when they leave, they're, like, running away. And, like, all Josh can say when they're running home is, he took my picture. He took my picture. And it's, like, so, you know, that's, like, a really creepy detail. Like, just going going into the crawl space where it's all dark. And he, like, first he only touches the dead animals. He doesn't see them. I just felt like Mm -hmm. there were so many details that made this like so such a large leap in the scariness level compared to the previous two uh which i like yeah yeah because this uh this has to be like the the second act when the action really starts Ah. Uh, because if it's six parts then the first two would be sort of uh setting up and expanding upon the premise and then the second two would be uh sort of changing the premise and introducing complications for the main characters, and then you would want your fifth story to be sort of leading up to the final conflict, and then the sixth story to be the conflict, the final conflict and the resolution, and I think in that sense, he structured it, like, pretty much flawlessly, because I think, um, what is I think an hour-long TV drama is either five or six acts, uh, and he kind of structured this whole thing perfectly, like it, you can think about it like an episode of Law and Order, even hmm. like that first uh, that first thing with footsteps would totally be the uh, like opening right before the theme song part, <laughs> and then we'd be like one year earlier and show the balloons part. Oh uh, man, yeah, you're so I, right. Yeah. Uh, so overall, uh, even though. To reiterate, I don't necessarily think that the bad guy is particularly interesting. Uh, the structure of the the like bigger narrative is is very solid. Uh, but yeah, like you said, I'm uh, this is this is one of this is where it really kicks into gear. Uh, so let's move on to maps, Cassie. Why don't you? Uh, you were better at the summaries than me, so go for it. Wait, they don't love you like I love you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, so this was my least favorite story. I thought 
this was completely bananas. Like, they are six years old in this story, and they are, like, running around the woods and the whole neighborhood by themselves, like, building rafts and going in the water. Like, I wouldn't even let a six-year-old go near a swimming pool with swimmies on unsupervised. So, I don't... I'm I'm 28, and I don't think I could build a working raft. Okay, so... Okay, so I don't don't mean to be so critical, because, like, I really do like this whole story a lot. I think it's really, you know, it's very well-crafted, very interesting. But this was the one part where I was like, all right, come on. And I was actually, frankly, kind of bored during this part, because it was just, like, these little boys running around the woods a lot, and I was like, okay, let's get on with it. Uh, But anyway, I will summarize it now, after all that. Um, So they're six years old. They want to make a map of their neighborhood, because it's like, he kind of talks about how it's, like, a weirdly shaped neighborhood. And uh, a character comes in, her name is is Mrs. Maggie, and uh, Mrs. Maggie has Alzheimer's, so she, uh, you know, gets confused. She refers to Josh and the narrator, like, as her sons, and we find out she had a husband named Tom who died. And then the mom throws in this line that I absolutely hated, where she was like, you know, she, you know, if someone else moved into the house, she would probably think that that was Tom. And it's just such a random thing to say, but it will become important later. Anyway, so the kids, they're, like, running around, they build a raft. I don't even, I, like, honestly didn't reread this too carefully. They hear, like, a... Yeah, all of, all of the mom's dialogue sort of reads, like, like a bad soap opera. Like, <laughs> she's, she's just so, like, obviously she's the character who's going through the most difficulties mm. uh, in the story, because it's like, her son is being stalked. And the son is only just learning about this as he's writing it. Like, he didn't know what was happening back then. Uh, but, like, she's also the least well-written, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Anyways, um, no, sorry to interrupt no, you. No, it's okay. I just want to get through it so we can then talk about it. But basically, they have this uh, raft they build because they decide they need to go down the river to properly map things. At one point, they hear a scary noise in the woods. I think things get confused. They, like, fall into the water. The map actually goes missing down the river. And they come up to um, Mrs. Maggie's house. And uh, the narrator has a brief exchange with her. But he's, like, ignoring her. She's talking to him. And he's just like, I'm not paying attention to her. I got to get home. Um, the scary twists at the end are, one, he finds a picture in his pocket. At first, he pulls out the paper and he goes, is this the map? How could it be? I saw it go away in the river. And it's actually a hand-drawn, like, stick figure drawing of a big stick figure and a little stick figure holding hands and smiling, which is super creepy. And uh, the little stick figure has the narrator's initials next to it. Um, And that Josh didn't put it there. We don't know who put it there. And the second twist, which is much more dramatic, is um, later we find out that Mrs. uh, Maggie has died and it's implied or stated that basically the stalker killer moved in with her and she thought that it was her dead husband and then he was able to kill her. Um, And then the narrator realizes that the stuff she was saying when he was not paying attention to her was that her husband had come home. So that's all very scary and kind of very, I don't know, I just thought it was very roundabout and weird. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, because the whole map making thing... uh... I don't think I ever once as a kid was like, you know what would be a good idea? Making a map of the woods. <laughs> I would just, like, because uh, I'm pretty sure uh, it seems correct. I don't have facts to back this up, but it seems correct that children's brains are not uh, structured such that they are good at reading maps, that they would be better navigating by landmarks. Mm-hmm. Like, I know this tree, uh, uh, and if I go this direction from this tree, I can reach 
this part of the creek, uh, rather than having a map of it. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, don't correct me, <laughs> listeners. I don't. Shaley, you've emails. taken psychology classes. Inform us on the reality of this. Honestly, yeah. My guests, my have... guests can correct me. <laughs> I mean, maybe like, did they specify what kind of like? map because i don't know maybe they were just like walking around noting things we, we don't really know how accurately they were reading these maps <laughs> or like making them or whatever right they could have just been like this is like an interesting thing an explorer would do and i don't know like maybe they just mm. seen it someone before somewhere before so they're just like emulating behavior i don't know something that's like was really weird to me and i guess it's totally different but we can come back to the maps but like some of the descriptions are really strange like you know like when they hear that hello that's not coming from either one of them and it's like it was whispered and forced as if it was powered by the last breath in a pair of deflating lungs but it didn't sound sickly like Whoa. that's such a weird way of talking about this like villain like, like this person right like I'm like who like where is this even coming from so that I found that really distracting because if it's just a person then like right. why I don't know yeah that seems like a yeah. return to like the supernatural type of elements that it kind of does away with I mean the whole thing is creepy but I felt like boxes was very firmly like this is a person and then maps yeah. Actually, you know what? Interestingly, though, they're younger in Max, so maybe, I don't know if it's intentional to make it seem more supernatural when they're kids, like we were talking about earlier. Huh. I don't know. But that is a weird sentence, for sure. I feel like maps would have been just as effective if they were 12 or 13. Uh, and also, I would have been more like, yeah, I could see them doing that. I could see them watching Indiana Jones and seeing the scene transitions with the maps and being like, that would be cool. <laughs> uh, or when did Pirates of the Caribbean come out? Like 2001 or something? <laughs> oh my god, really? Ugh. How when did uh, I'm gonna yeah cause the the second one came out in like 2007 it was probably 2004 right Pir- Pirates of Dark Water shows up on Google autocomplete before Pirates of the Caribbean that's weird that is weird I honestly like, think this map like is probably just a bunch of crayon squiggles on a paper <laughs> yeah that's true uh, Pirates of the Caribbean came out in 2003 so if uh. they had been thir- if they had been 13 to 15 years old it would fit uh, and they could, it would totally, I would totally buy into them being like, let's go be pirates in the woods. But, uh, it doesn't, like, the story just doesn't really seem to justify why they want to make a map at age six. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And also, uh, I wanted to say that, um, the weird description of the whispered hello is sort of the the creepy pasta yeast moment because there's so uh, it's there's one specific example in um, Squidward Suicide, a famous terrible creepy pasta. <laughs> it's about uh, an episode of SpongeBob that was secret and uh, never got shown to anyone, and the the line in it is uh, like when the episode starts to get creepy is that Squidward's eyes were real too real like <laughs> it's just sort of like a meaningless hint uh, that something might be supernatural but like the description to, it's it's nonsense if you think about it for more than half a second <laughs> like the, the last breath pushed out of dying lungs 
wouldn't like that doesn't that's meaningless. So I really enjoy that there are specific writing techniques in creepy pasta creation. Like that's pretty <laughs> interesting to me. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if that specific trope has a name, uh, the sort of, uh, superfluous description. Um, but yeah, I think that's, uh, maybe just something in horror, uh, that I think amateur writers sort of have to get out of their system. Um, or maybe he was trying to, like, put in clues for things that weren't, like, you know, uh, what's the word for something that. Red herring? Yeah, red herring. I, I don't know. Like, I found myself looking for things to, like, hold on to while reading the story, like, to figure out what's going on. And so, like, I would harp on these details, but that didn't end up being important at all. <laughs> so Yeah, and it's weird, because so many details did end up coming back. Mm-hmm. Like, pretty much everything that they lose uh, ends up coming back at the end, and it being like, oh, these were all things that the killer had, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's a little weird to have that, just like, oh, he's got super breath power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do we have any more s- thoughts on maps? Nope. Okay, I'm done with let's it. Let's move on to... Let's, what's the next one? Screens. Screens. I like that each of them is one plural noun. You're right! I do like that. <laughs> I kind of took a leap there, because I wasn't sure if the ones after screens are, because I'm just scrolling down the Creepypasta wiki uh, article. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems about right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Screens uh, starts off with the disclaimer that the narrator has withheld details from uh, his story. Um, and we're back to the summer between kindergarten and first grade. So this takes place, what, after maps and balloons and footsteps, but before boxes. Oh my god. Is that right? But doesn't it move throughout the different, like, different, like, it starts off in between kindergarten and then first grade and then moves to some other Yeah, age, this one like he's 15. 15 at the end, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This the, is the just, bulk uh, of the story, he's 15. I don't even know what happens when he's a kid. Oh, yeah, Screens is the, this is the movie one, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, he's just in first grade at the beginning when he meets Veronica. Veronica. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, uh, fast forward, he's 15, uh, and they all go to this, like, terrible, uh, second-run, like, dollar movie theater that they call the Dirt Theater. Totally buy it. Like, absolutely. That is, uh, extremely 90s. Uh, <laughs> he might as well, he might as well be describing renting a Sega Genesis from Blockbuster. <laughs> like, it's, uh, it's... I can't find these places anymore. Like, I want to go to a cheap second-run theater where you can go see a movie from six months ago for, like, $5. You can't do it. They just don't have them anymore. Uh, you either have the art house theaters uh, that show, like, 70mm original real projection, like, art films, or you have regular first-run movie theaters. Anyway... Uh, he goes to, um, a midnight showing of Scanners, uh, for a dollar. Scanners is, uh, have you seen that gif of the news guy's head exploding, uh, like from a movie? It's a popular gif of, like, a very gruesome special effect, uh, like, rubber head exploding into gore, like, of a news guy. And I'm pretty sure that's from Scanners. Uh, uh, anyway, it's... Creepy! Yeah, it's just like, it's a weird cult horror movie. It's, like, kind of the perfect choice for him to go see. Uh, and he sees Veronica there, uh, 
and they uh he hasn't seen her in a long time uh he talks to her she's like hey you're cute i'm the girl character and you're the narrator so we have to make eyes at each other Uh, that is their exact conversation yeah pretty much uh and uh he's like hey how are you doing and she's like i just broke up with my boyfriend and then she licks her lips and winks her eye no that's not true she doesn't do that uh but he's like hey you coming to the next showing they're showing day of the dead she says yeah then they go meet up uh and they go see day of the dead there's a whole complicated thing where he has to go get dropped off at his friend's house who's near the movie theater and then he sneaks over uh it's so like it it's probably some fat that could be trimmed uh but it no, also actually i was just thinking um i really like i mean as much as i was born in maps all those excessive details make this seem so much more realistic to me like yeah you love when there's very small to jeff and i really feel like if that wasn't there and he was just like i'm gonna tell you this scary thing that happened but instead he's like well i'm gonna try to recount this to the best of my memory and then that involves all these details that seem extraneous to us but uh Anyway, I think it's kind of neat. Yeah, no, that's fine. I was just going to say that when I was listening to it, it all added to it. It's just now that I'm going through the text, I'm like, "Mm, I feel like if I had read this, I would have hated the pacing. But as an audiobook, it was great. Uh, (laughs) That probably has more to do with my own terrible reading habits these days. Uh, So they go, um, he sees headlights, uh, like, seem like we as the reader know in the overall context of this like obviously a creepy guy's following him uh so when like a car like slows down and the headphones pass him uh, headlights pass him in the dark it's like okay yeah we know what that's about even if uh the narrator's never named is he i don't think he is huh Anyway, narrator. Uh, uh, but then they go, uh, he buys her a movie ticket, they go in, they watch the movie, um, and then they go back out, and her car is there, and then there's one other car in the uh, parking lot, and it's the one that had passed him on the road, and he knows because of a crack in the back window. <laughs> Uh, and then this story, this part of the story goes super downhill, and I hate it from here on. Uh, he goes around the corner to pee, and then, uh, he hears a car start and a loud crash, and he, like, comes back, and Veronica's been, like, totally brutalized by this car. Just, like, totally murdered. Uh, it's awful. Uh, like, it was a really gruesome... T- <laughs> he gets into another thing that uh, is sort of common to creepypastas that I don't like, which is the scary part is gruesomely describing uh, some sort of bodily harm. Mm. Uh, Wait. So, yeah, there's a... Go on. No, I was just gonna say, um, and Shaley, I'd be interested to hear how you felt about this, because I know this is not your genre at all. But, like, I usually hate the gruesome stuff, but I actually really liked his descriptions of this. And I know like is a weird word, because obviously I hated it. It was horrible. This whole story is very <laughs> tragic. But, like, I thought he did a good job. Um, it was kind of, like, almost weirdly poetic, which was, like, very... Uh, it made me feel uncomfortable in a way that I thought was effective. Interesting. Um, so it didn't feel it didn't feel gratuitous. I don't think it felt gratuitous to me either. Or like it was just kind of creepy for the sake of being creepy, you know? Yeah. Huh. That's interesting that we had that different reaction. Because to me, I read, uh, like, I'm rereading the paragraph now, and I'm like, mm, this is Maybe you've much. just seen it too often, you know? Yeah, maybe. Uh, it's There's an interesting thing that 
pros can do uh, that, like, film and TV can't, which is say that something horribly explicit is happening without describing it uh, at all. Uh, it's uh, part of, the, uh, for example, the reason why Game of Thrones is a much more lewd TV show than it is a book, because in a book you can just say the character uh, was naked and totally chopped someone's head off, but when you're adapting that for the screen, you have to show uh, like a naked person and a head being chopped <laughs> off, uh, which like you could put uh, naked people chopping heads off in like books for teenagers and it's fine, but. Uh, like, it's all about how much you describe. Anyway, uh, I feel like that whole paragraph describing her twisted body I would have liked better if he was just like, uh, her body was all twisted up. <laughs> like, said it more poetically than that, but <laughs> anyway. Uh, but, uh, that's interesting that you guys found it effective. Um, and then it goes on to describe the, um, the whole hospital thing. Uh, she's in the hospital for a while. It super seems like she's just, like, dead on impact. But she's not. She makes it to the hospital. Um, he start. They start exchanging text messages. Uh, but no, uh, he didn't actually start receiving. He find the twist at the end of the story is she's been dead since the day before he started receiving text messages from her. Also, that Josh ran away. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that Josh. Josh ran away when he was thirteen, uh, and he left a note on his pillow, uh, which of course is a callback to footsteps when. Um, um, uh, narrator left a note on his pillow that he was running away when he woke up in the woods. Uh, and this sort of thing I like, because it's sort of like, uh, uh, I think you'll both appreciate this, um, analogy that I'm gonna draw. It's like Neville Longbottom and Harry Potter. Oh my uh, god! Oh no! Tell me more! <laughs> Like, the bad guy couldn't, like, the bad guy tried to target narrator and failed, uh -huh. so he went after, uh, Josh instead. Cause either of them could be his, uh, his creepy Victim. child, child molester BFF. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't really want to think about Neville or anyone in this context, but you're right. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah. It's really sad. Um, <laughs> I think that there's a certain, uh, interesting level. Like, I, I really, I dig that sort of level of tragedy, like, because it makes the main character feel guilty, even though they didn't do anything wrong. Yes. And I, I think that that's an interesting thing to put in a story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, so much, the whole thing, everything that happens is, like, completely out of his control. There's literally nothing he could have done differently um, with the information that he yep. had, especially. Um, so it's, it's, it's like he's just uh, witnessing everything that happens. And all he can do is feel weird about it, because how, like, you know... What else yeah, would you do? Like by, exactly. By the end of the story, all he has is uh, survivor's guilt. Yeah. Like his mom did. The, his mom did the right thing by not telling him that all this stuff was going on. Yeah. Holy shit! I kind of wish he never found out in this <laughs> right world. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a real bummer. Bobby really messed up now. Uh, but that's the da, da, that's the uh, like. Was there anything else important in this story that I skipped? Because I'm sort of going from memory and also just trying to scan uh, the actual text and see. I'll just point out that um, at one point after they've been texting at the end, quote unquote, Veronica texts him, I love you. And that's the first time that happens. And then oh, yeah, later, yeah, yeah. the last text he gets from that phone is see you again soon, which was very pretty. Hmm. 
Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they, um, uh, it's an important note that he had a phone that could not receive pictures because they got, uh, Veronica's parents ended up with a bill for a bunch of pictures that she was trying to send to Josh's phone. And by she, I mean the killer who stole her phone. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so that's sort of like, it's just a thing and we never find out what those pictures were. And I, I think that's a really good spooky mystery there. Definitely. Uh, and then we have is friends the final part yes thank god yeah oh my god okay <laughs> here we are we're to the final part or we're sneaking up on the end of the episode this is gonna be a long one it looks like we're yeah we're sneaking up on an hour here uh which is fine because uh normally we would record two episodes in this space of time but this was a big one uh, so take take it away, Cassie or Shaylee with friends. Uh, who, who uh, probably Cassie. Yeah, probably Cassie. Do, right? <laughs> yeah. I actually don't know this one as well, so you guys jump in with other details. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Basically, uh, you know, Josh and the narrator became friends in kindergarten, and then uh, he points out that after the uh, failed mission to retrieve boxes from the old house where uh, they ran into the killer and they got scared away and boxes died, uh, they stopped hanging out as much. Like, Josh kind of started to disengage from the friendship. Um, But then the narrator's having his 12th birthday party, and he invites Josh, and and Josh comes, but he's being, like, weird about it. He's just, like, awkward, and he seems off. And after the party, oh, he wants to, like, leave the party early, and the narrator's like, dude, what's your problem? And he's like, man, I don't know, things have been weird lately. Um, and then he says, I think I've been sleepwalking, which is, like, a major clue. Obviously, we know what's going on there because that happened in footsteps. And uh, then he's like, you know what, I'm going to make it up to you. I have a really cool present I'm going to get you for your birthday. And then that's the last time the narrator ever sees Josh and his assumption is that uh, Josh just like you know like faded away like their friendship just kind of fizzled out um, oh my god did I even write the details on that I feel like I didn't even write them because everything from here just gets so fat shit but like uh, <laughs> then yeah. It, yeah it's it sort of devolves it, it ends <laughs> up like the last episode of, of True Detective season one where everything's just like crazy action yeah you're right uh, <laughs> But anyway, then it's, then it jumps into like the narrator's adult voice and he's like, so then I was talking to my mom and she recounted this to me. And then he's kind of like telling the story from his mom's point of view where, uh, basically her, Josh's, uh, father, this was after the narrator was 15 because Veronica was already dead. Uh, Josh's father started taking like odd jobs around town and he became kind of like a construction type person. And he was like clearing out like a field or, or something in the woods. It wasn't the Effect. I remember it was in the very spot where the narrator previously had sleepwalked to and he like digging in the ground and he finds like a box and he opens the box to like the single most horrific thing you could ever find if you were digging a hole which is uh, his own son who's been missing for a couple years at this point uh, his corpse underneath the corpse of a strange man and they're both uh, covered in blood because Josh has actually bit a chunk out of the killer's neck and uh, 
the dad realizes that they were buried alive together because of this, like they were flat on the ground. And even worse, he realizes that this man actually came to him like a week before and he was like, hey, uh, there's this weird hole in my property. I'll give you a hundred bucks to fill it uh, in a couple days. So the dad realizes he actually buried them alive, uh, which is really, really what? awful. So anyway, I know. So um, the dad basically, upon discovering this, like calls the narrator's mom and is like, I found my son. You got to come here. So she comes and sees this horrific sight. And then the dad is like, I can't ever tell my wife because his wife is already devastated. She's lost both of her children at this point. Um, and then I think the dad just like burns everything because he like just wants to get rid of it and is, everything's awful. Uh, so I guess they basically decided that they were just never going to tell anyone this happened because like the killer's dead. Uh, he doesn't want his wife to know and it's just really awful. So he's like, all right, we'll just get rid of it. So basically the whole time in this narrator's life, his mom knew that his best friend was kidnapped by this awful person and kept for a couple years and then buried alive with him and she was just holding on to that secret and that's like that's revealed to him in a conversation with her at like their kitchen table now as an adult that, yeah that's just this is just batshit crazy guys <laughs> yeah yeah I kind of I kind of wish this whole like this ending made me want the whole story to be told from Josh's dad's point of view cause uh, or the mom usually yeah, yeah or the mom but like you want the, the devastating like horrible twist ending like that to be happening to the main character and he's not even there. I know so the the fact that the last story is so detailed kind of pulls you out of it because you're like okay but how do you know what her reaction really was like you can assume what her reaction was because you know but like he kind of just describes everything as if he had seen it which um you know pulls you out of the, the, the truthful feeling of the story a little bit. Yeah like as my mother's mind stretched itself to take in what her eyes were attempting to tell her she became aware of the significance of the way in which he lit. Like, come on. <laughs> how do you know about her mind stretching itself? And how be- like, there's no way his mom is telling him the story using that kind of florid language. Mm. It's fucked up. Uh, That's all. I mean, like, I mean, so part of me is like thinking that, but most of me was just like, God damn, this is fucked up. Like, yeah. for real. And the story, I mean, although you know that bad stuff is happening throughout, like, that is so egregiously horrible compared to like everything else that happens. Uh, mm-hmm. It really was like a shock to me. Yeah, I um. I am totally a sucker for this kind of absolutely horrible ending. Uh, this like horrible twist, like, uh, like, oh, that, that stew you're eating is made of your parents. <laughs> uh, kind of thing. Um, but it's, it's just so, it's so disconnected from everything that was happening before. Cause like, yeah. Josh is, Josh is dead. Josh is dad as a character we've never seen before. And the mom has like barely been in the story. So it's almost like, like the the big ending, the like grand finale of the story does not involve any of the characters we've come to know or care about. Or it could have been centered on the friendship itself, which it wasn't from the beginning, so that was confusing. Like it could have been structured on like hey, I had this friend from childhood and these are some weird adventures we had together and then I, you know, lost touch or whatever. But it wasn't, like, focused on that as much. Mm. Yeah. And if it had just shifted uh, the focus a bit, it would have made more sense cohesively, you know? I think that makes I sort a lot of did. Sense. I'm sorry, I was gonna say, because, like, then the, his button on the last scene is, like, we were explorers, we were friends, and it's, yeah. like, nice, if this is a real story, it's nice of him to kind of, like, leave off with a little uh, note about his friend, but uh, it's weird to close off with that being so significant when he kind of like does a slow lead into his caring about Josh in the beginning. So I don't know. Yeah, I I actually um 
I like that the final part sort of went back in and built out the details that, like, it sort of gave us a different perspective on some scenes that had happened in previous stories. Like, the first day of kindergarten, we got more details as to how him and Josh actually became friends. Uh, we sort of found out, like, the last uh, meeting after already knowing that him and Josh had, like, fallen out of being friends. We sort of find out uh, a little bit how that happened happened. Uh, but yeah, it did sort of seem to weirdly shift everything into this, like, oh, yeah, it's actually been about me and my friend all along um, in a weird way. Yeah, this whole last part is just so weird. It's good and I like it, but it uh, it feels it feels like the conclusion to a different story. Yeah. Uh. Uh, yeah, it's it's like uh, like we were watching um, uh, Stabler and Benson solve, solve a murder and then at the end of the episode it just cuts to like Vincent D'Onofrio solving a different murder in a different Law & Order episode. <laughs> like, what? You know, <laughs> happened? You know what? I bet that um, I, I was kind of trying to think about how this story would play out in a novel because I really like it as a series of stories posted on the internet because there's like this notion of organic discovery happening. Like, as he's posting it, he's discovering things that have happened. Um, but yeah, I the, bet... The, epis the epistolary? Is that the word? Uh, hmm. Isn't that That's like when you write letters? Yeah. <laughs> Does one of us have a degree in? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I feel like it's letter letters or journal entries or that kind oh, of thing. Maybe, but uh, maybe journal I, I think that uh, I think that Reddit posts uh, would be a modern equivalent that could fit in in there. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that stand. <laughs> okay. I was Fair just thinking enough. maybe the novel like fills in some of the, the stuff that we're seeing as lacking, like how it is a little disjointed to jump between the previous stuff to this uh, very extreme ending. So I'm, I'm just wondering if maybe, uh, you know, in his later drafts, maybe he fills it out a little more. Uh, I, I have not read the actual novel, but from what I can tell, it seems to be a revising and expansion of these six stories to sort of fill in more details. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, I don't know if they're presented in a different order, which I feel like maybe presenting it in chronological order would be pretty effective. <laughs> uh, but doing it as, like, a memoir uh, see seems like it would make sense. Cause it but wouldn't, it, wouldn't that change, that like, the effect of it? Like, I guess it would have to, if it's gonna be a longer piece anyway, it would change the way you, like, I don't know, respond to the story, but it wouldn't have the same effect as a creepypasta. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because part of the... Well, the thing about the the no-sleep... Uh, the thing about the no-sleep Reddit is it's explicitly fictional stories, but you have to respond and post basically in character. I made air quotes, but obviously you guys couldn't see this. Uh, <laughs> I heard that. Like, you... Yeah, that's good. Uh, I think they're called scare quotes if they're in print or uh, voice. Uh, you, um, you don't, you cannot be like, nah, this didn't happen. And when you're presenting the stories, the common form, though I'm not sure it's required, is presenting it like, this happened to me, or I heard about this thing. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that, it's, while it's, hmm. we covered a couple weeks ago a story called The Smiling Man, which was posted on Reddit, but it was posted on a Reddit that isn't host to fiction stories, <gasps> which I think was very interesting. Whoa, uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, see, your reaction was immediately like, but 
anything on no sleep i'm not ever like i'm scared because maybe this really happened uh because it's explicitly a fictional subreddit got it uh but yeah it's the form the form is very interesting yeah so i'm just like curious uh, did you say this is definitely being made into a movie but for real uh it's it's being optioned okay uh or shopped around or something he's he's trying to sell the rights okay. uh but we don't we won't it seems likely uh with the type of movies that are coming out and making money mm-hmm. that this and it's already be, been uh, popular and you know how people like basing movies off books now so <laughs> yeah exactly yeah uh Although, although, did you see that the last uh, Divergent movie is going to be a made-for-TV movie because uh, no one saw no one saw the last oh, one? Oh no, <laughs> that's so sad. That's kind of yep. awesome. What is it? Uh, I mean, it's not Allegiant awesome. is going to be a, a made-for-TV. Yeah, it's not awesome for Shailene Woodley's. No, no, career. I mean it's not awesome for like anyone involved, but I I think it's awesome for me because like I will watch the hell out of that on TV. I think it's really <laughs> good. I'm like excited for it. <laughs> I think they might also be doing a series after, uh, but I don't know that for sure. Hey, why not? So I think that um, I'm just, I'm, I don't know if I'm actually going to read it, honestly, because I'm busy. But like, <laughs> I'm just interested in, in, you know, how this plays out in novel length. And I would probably go see the movie. And I think huge kudos to the author, because most creepypasta, if there's even a hint that they're going to expand on it in any way, I'm like, no, please don't. No more. So, yeah. good job. Yeah, I'm, I'm, st- I'm, still, I'm still pretty skeptical about uh, what they're going to do with this Candle Cove uh, TV show that's coming out in the fall, but uh, I'm hoping uh, it's it sounds like it'll be good, so I'm hoping that'll be good, mm. but yeah, Pen Pal, Pen Pal definitely lends itself to uh, adaptation. Yeah, it has a lot of layers, so... Yeah. Uh, so we can go right into spookiest parts, uh, and I'll say that you can pick two, because this is a long one, but also there's no rules anyway, so <laughs> whatever. Sh- Shaylee, what was the spookiest part of this story for you? Um, I guess I was gonna say say like the the scenes in the woods but like now that we're talking or after we talked about it I thought that the hearing um, boxes in the uh, walkie talkie was pretty scary uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like I have to say the ending because it was just so crazy and horrifying. So I guess those would be my two. That's fair. Yeah, it almost reminds me of the end of, uh, mm, I don't even want to say the title of the thing because it's like a twist ending. Uh, but it's like a really miserable twist ending. Anyway, uh, no, nah, I'll say it. <laughs> uh, the ending of the, the ending of the mist, uh, has an infamously heartbreaking, uh, sort of twist ending. Uh, and this reminded me of that. Uh, a little bit. It's not as bad. Like it's not as bad. The what the heck happens in the mist? Don't tell me. Uh, you should watch the mist because no, it's I'm not going to watch it because it sounds really sad. <laughs> Uh, it's, it was made by the guy who directed the pilot episode of The Walking Dead, your favorite horror movie. That is my movie. favorite horror movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it was made before The Walking Dead. It's basically the reason why he got hired to do that show. Um, anyway, uh, I guess the spookiest part for me, uh, you know, I'm gonna go right, uh, right back to Footsteps at the beginning when he's like, that's not how I spell my name. Hmm. I didn't write this note. Uh, and like, obviously no one is going to believe like a six year old, uh, about that. They're going to be like, Oh honey, you were sleepwalking and wrote it. Right. Uh, and that's the, the idea of children. It's, uh, it's often children in, in 
uh, any kind of supernatural story who are easily dismissed. And then it turns out they were right all along. Uh, and that, that I think is cool and interesting because I, I can't blame the adults for, for not, uh, believing the kids necessarily. Whereas when it's like, uh, any, when it's like adults disbelieving other adults, it always makes me mad. I'm like, no, it's like obviously a ghost. He's got like a picture of the ghost picking up his Xbox and throwing it or whatever. <laughs> like, just believe him. You live in a world where ghosts are real in the fiction of this story. You need to buy into this more easily. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, Cassie, Cassie, what's your spookiest part? Oh, gosh. What is my spookiest part? Uh, you guys named some really good ones. Um, I, re- I literally made a list of all the twists are, so I'm just looking through the twists to see if there's what I find spooky. You're uh, so organized. Listen, this was a complicated text, and I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna have some notes. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're good as a guest here because you like doing homework. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Actually, okay, wait, no, speaking of me doing schoolwork, I, like, was laughing at myself for making this interpretation, but I'm going to tell you guys about it anyway. So one of my favorite details in this Absolutely. in this story is um, this recurring motif of this, like, shark floaty, like a pool floaty, but it's a shark. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, like, yes. he first sees it in footsteps, it's, like, deflated, and he just notices it, and he's like, that's weird, it's like a shark pool float, whatever. And then it comes up again in foxes, um, because they go to the same spot in the woods, and he knows it is because the shark pool floaty is there, and Josh is, like, dicking around with it, and he's like, haha, what a goes swimming, but then the narrator's really uh, scared because he remembers it. And then there's this weird sentence in the end that I loved where the dad, um, after he's, like, uncovered this horrific scene with his son, he, like, sits next to the hole, and there's this line where it's, like, his eyes were as dead as a shark or something like that. So there's just, like, bringing the shark motif back. And I was like, what is the significance of this, like, shark floaty, like, coming up again? And I decided that the author wanted to show that there was a predator lurking in the background of the whole story. Yeah, right? Wow. Oh, man. I wasn't even looking for symbolism, because uh, usually in uh, Super supernatural horror story you'll get a lot of like oh yeah that's clearly a symbol like you watch halloween and it's like oh yeah mike myers is whether the uh filmmakers intended or not michael myers is obviously a stand-in for male aggression uh he's just like an he's an anonymous faceless murderer and it ends up making that movie uh have a probably unintended feminist message uh, but yeah, this this story is like not supernatural at all. So I wasn't even looking for that kind of thing. Mm. I just like I just do it. <laughs> I was doing it too. I was like, I, I'm gonna find something here. Something is gonna be weird. And I was looking for it, and I was just like, at the end, I was just like disappointed. And I was like, I felt cheated. I was like, what, uh, what happened? Honestly, that was the only one I really uh. picked up on. Maybe on more readings where we're like, I feel like so much of your time reading the story, you're just trying to sort out like the timeline that it's hard to like pick up on extra stuff that's going on. Yeah, I think I had certain assumptions about creepypasta that maybe I should have examined more closely. (laughs) That's very fair, though. It's fine. What, that it would kind of be, like, shallow and easy to read? No, 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 like, there's, like, I don't know, like, supernatural shit. That's just what I assume to be creepy and what horror stories are about, right, a lot of the time. So, I'm like, there's gonna be a demon. (laughs) I don't know. I will say this one is unusual in that it does not try to convince you that uh, there's, like, a secret haunted episode of Rugrats or whatever. (laughs) It's just, like, a... 
a dude a dude who killed a kid and that's the whole thing mm-hmm. uh which is very unusual there's all there's almost always some kind of like maybe he's a demon dude right. but no which is not to say that this sh- story is not very crazy it is very crazy but yeah, yes that's true <laughs> i can say to shayla's earlier point just the the range of random shit that this guy does is excessive you know like he doesn't have uh, a single mo in how he goes about his murders. <laughs> yeah i found it very confusing sorry Continue. Yeah, that's true. He, like, murders an old lady. He, uh, steals a cat and, like, hides under a house. And he's just, like, doing all this. He's, like, hiding in the woods and stealing maps and, like, taking pictures. <laughs> he's... I want to, I want to, like, know about this guy's life. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's in the book. <gasps> Maybe. Yeah, that's true. Maybe there's more details about him. Maybe they find out, like, I went and dug up the body and found out who he was. Probably not. <laughs> oh, I guess they can't because uh, they anyway. got burned. I'm sorry, you're trying to, like, wrap up. Yeah, that's I'm like, true. But there's more. Uh- no, that's fine. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to ask before we get to plugs uh, if we have any final thoughts about the story. Well, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed it and as my first creepypasta. I thought it was a really interesting story and really well written. Um, kind of confusing, yeah. but overall, I liked it. Well, now you have to go read Candle Cove and then don't read any other creepypasta okay. unless, unless you want to read one for this show specifically. Right. But uh, this one and Candle Cove are the ones that are like... If you don't have an interest in this subgenre specifically, those are the ones you should read anyway. And then she's going to go okay. off into the world and be like, wow, creepypastas are really good stories. All the time. <laughs> exactly. Because uh, I've read, a, like, my standards are so low that uh, I'll get some stories where I'm like, oh man, this one doesn't have any grammatical or spelling errors. It's the best story I've ever read. <laughs> uh... So that is our our over an hour long episode about pen pal. Uh, Cassie said we're only going to have a half an hour's worth of things to say about this story. Uh, wow, we really dragged were, it out. You were, we yeah, you were such a fool. No, that's fine. <laughs> um, so I've been. No, I don't want to do my exit first. Uh, Shaylee, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, no, I don't. Not at the moment. What about you, Cassie? Um, well, I don't know if Shaylee knows, but sometimes we just say like our Twitter. So like, oh, okay. If, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Love of Strings, and I'm on like Instagram and some other stuff. And yeah, Shaylee, what are your things though? Now that you know. Uh, I'm mostly on Twitter. I'm the fake Shaylee. Um, yeah. And I'm on Twitter at J3FK. You can also go to patreon.com slash jeffjk and you can be my what am I up to now I have five patrons you can be my sixth and uh, I can make more than $11 per month for doing this show uh, you can go to weaponizedlanguage.com uh, I now have a podcast posting every single goddamn weekday <laughs> like Monday literally Monday through Friday I have shows what is the matter uh, Monday. with you? 
I, it's so much easier than writing or making video games, which are the other projects that I sort of start and abandon. Anyway, Monday is so, is someone's PC, which is a little five to ten minute uh, podcast where me and past guests Chris Luminello and Louisa Heron review Pokemon. Uh, Tuesday is Seeing Reddit, where me and Matt and Louisa Heron, uh, both past guests, review uh, sub random subreddits. Wednesday is another episode of Someone's PC. Thursday is this show and friday is the week's third episode of someone's pc uh so you should go listen to all of those uh and then some coming saturday there will be there will be a week with six episodes because i have another episode of frank ecto ghost detective to edit uh yeah anyway go go experience all of my content because i'm producing so much of it Uh, uh, so, um, thank you for listening. There's so many good tags for the end of the episode here. Ah, uh, I'm gonna go with my favorite. This isn't how you spell my name. I didn't write this letter. Ah, and that's our episode. We did it! Yeah, stop the Yay! recording. Yeah. Just-